This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that highlights some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Keaton Freeberg, a law partner with Texas Suits, who specializes in real estate and business transactions and litigation. Keaton, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. It's always good to have a lawyer on your on your team here. Yeah, you know I feel I mean? like law is so murky that everybody's always really interested when a lawyer comes on. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, not boring. Always. <laughs> That's what you need about We're also going to talk with Eddie Solis, a realtor with Empire Realty Group, who specializes in working with military members. Eddie, welcome to the show. What's good, everybody? Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. In studio with us today, of course, is Heather Bame, a certified business coach that works with businesses to, business owners to gain clarity in business and achieve their goals. Heather, welcome back to the show. Always glad to be here. Awesome. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you are a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured on the show, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210. Now, so I posted some videos... Heather and I did a show last week and we um, just kind of like a warm up, kind of recap mm-hmm. how, you know, getting kicked off the radio and dealing with all stress of, of that whole thing. And then, uh, so I took clips of that and put them up on YouTube and they, I mean, right out of the gate we had, it was fun watching the 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 views go, go up. up. It was just boom, yeah, a boom, boom. Yeah, couple of them popped off. They just immediately started getting up to like a thousand views within not very long. You nope. posted them. It was like an hour and bam. Yeah. It was very, very quick. And then now they're sitting at right around between 2,500 and 3,000 on most of those videos. Uh, th- they were just the short clips, of course, that I put up there. Uh, the The longer clips, I think we have uh, over a thousand views. It's pretty standard yeah. um, for our audience. So um, we reached uh, over the last 28 days and now it's not really even fair metric because we're increasing the intensity of it, but we reached over 73,000 views in the last 28 days. And we're on track to hit 100,000. Right. Congratulations. Every 20. Yeah, that's my goal. And then then I'm going to double that. So it's just, I'm going to keep, I like to double things. I love it. Scaling up rapidly. Yeah, right. So anyway, that's what's going on with us. What's going on with you, Heather? Well, just staying busy, um, meeting with a ton of new businesses here in San Antonio and just getting to know everybody so that they can scale up too. It seems like a growth season. Um, and most of the business I've been talking to have been really talking about how can they scale up and, and move up similar to how we're looking to get more viewers. They're looking to grow their businesses. Yeah. And Keaton, so is, do you see this as a growth time of year as well? This, I mean, we're in April. Is that, do you guys stay pretty active over the floor? I know you're hiring people and stuff over there now too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always growth. It's always <laughs> growth time, you know, but, uh, but specifically right now, yeah, we're definitely growing. Um, Hiring, trying to find uh, people that fit in with our culture is uh, what is kind of a priority right now. Yeah, and Eddie, how's real estate going as far as growth? It's going here? great. The first um, quarter is usually slow for some agents, but our team has found effective ways to be successful. And right now, the busy season about to kick off for us. As, as y'all may know, the, the summertime, mm-hmm. that's when everybody wants to move. Yeah. So we're looking forward to it. And PCS season for the military, I know you do a lot with that. When is that? That's happening now. People are already getting their orders, so summertime's already starting to look very eye candy for a lot of people, and they're they're keying in on what where they want to go, where they want to move, and so trying to get my team ready to like get them in that mindset, like, hey, it's time to get that ball rolling because that winter time, it's got to start slowing down. 
Yeah, and San Antonio all up through Austin, it's just growing like crazy. New Braunfels is doing well there, too, from what I understand. So a lot of folks moving from California to New York. Uh, I heard talk about building a wall or something around Texas. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that, but I just hear rumors. I don't know if they're true. I just make stuff up when we, <laughs> when we come in here. So, all right, cool. Well, all right, that's the show, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> All right, so first up on the show is Keaton Freeberg, a law partner with Texas Suits who specializes in real estate and business transactions and litigation. Keaton, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. Happy to be here. So you're interested in real estate investing. Why is that? You know, my family has been involved in real estate investing. Uh, My dad's really big into it. Um, I've kind of seen the the growth, his growth in a very short time frame. I mean, he started only maybe four years ago. Um, I was like, Dad, you should you should do this, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. And then finally, he jumped in and, and he did it, and um, yeah, he's picked up. I don't know. I think he's at ten, twelve properties now within a couple of years. What kind of properties is he picking up? Mostly um, uh, single family, or he he picked up a few duplexes here recently. So he's slowly starting to get a little bit uh, scale up the size of the real estate a little bit. And the single family stuff is that for long term rentals? Yes, all of it. Uh, he has started to do some uh, Airbnbs, um, and so that has been pretty fruitful. I think he's going to probably switch a lot of his model over to Airbnb just because it's been so uh, working out so well. Isn't the hard part of Airbnbs giving up so much of that revenue? It does. Don't they take like a pretty good size cut Airbnb or no? They do. Um, I don't know that it. When he works out his math, it's way more than it would be. He makes way more than he would on on long term rentals. So it's a little riskier, definitely. But he has enough long term rentals to where. I think his risk is covered. So everything for the short term is just all profit. Okay. And I know Heather's got questions for you too, but before, <laughs> before we get into that, don't, do you have a disclaimer or something you're supposed yeah, to put out? Yeah. I gotta just get the board go ahead and do it. Just do it. Out of the way. <laughs> just do it. All right. So today's the information on today's recording is not legal advice. The information provided is not a substitute for, and does not replace the advice or representation of counsel. So if you have a specific situation, come up, go reach out to an attorney. As, and that's really should go for the internet as a whole, right? No, wait a minute. I Googled it. I'm pretty sure I have <laughs> this type of disease a, or whatever. Yeah, please don't take a podcast as you're like tried and true information without actually but going they said, in. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I heard so. it on TikTok. But judge. Yeah. But if you, come in, if you come and sit down with me, then you can rely on the information. Right. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be right there in the courthouse. Right. right. Well, I think he, he's my lawyer. So is that a conflict? Wait a second. Does this count? (laughs) Well, if we're talking about real estate investing, one of the things that I always find interesting is people always say, oh yeah, you know, I got into it a couple years ago. It sounds like the hardest part is that first transaction. Tell me a little bit more about that. Definitely. Yeah. I think uh, for a lot of people, well, from what I see, it's, it's really capital. So Mm -hmm. coming in with, with capital and then just navigating the first transaction is is really huge. I mean, you walk a lot of people through their first transaction, and I think for a lot of people, it's a big mystery. And so, um, so yeah, the first one, I think once you get out of the way, you kind of understand the process um, and a little bit of what you need and what goes into it. I think from there, it you know, starts to compound on itself. Okay, so speaking of capital, what are some creative financing tools that you would suggest people look into if they're just like starting out in real estate investing? Yeah, so there's a, there's a, many that um, for investors to, to choose from. But some that are um, more common right now are, are subject to transactions, wraparounds, which is a subject to inside of a wraparound transaction, but or, or maybe seller financing. Then it, all of those are creative um, 
financing tools that don't necessarily always in, uh, include or, or require a ton of capital down. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's, yeah, let's put break that, that down in yeah. layman's terms. Sure. Um, what's your favorite one? So, well, I think it's I think the easiest way is to start with the subject too, because mm-hmm. it's kind of the foundation to um, uh, to to the wrap transaction. So, a subject two in its simplest form is just taking a piece of real estate subject to the pre-existing mortgage or the underlying mortgage that's that's already in place. So um, I, th- I think these are always uh, done or illustrated well in some sort of an example. So if Mark has a piece of real estate um, and I want it and um, I, don't, I don't necessarily, maybe I don't have the, um, the credit or maybe I don't have the down payment to go the traditional financing route, I'll reach out to Mark and say, hey, Mark, you know, maybe um, for a number of reasons, maybe you're not in a, in a good financial position either. And I'm, I'm like, hey, can I purchase your piece of property? And he says, sure. Well, um, because I'm not going to go through the creative financing route, all I have to do is I have to get um, Mark to sign over title to the property, just like you would if you're buying a car or something like that. You're just signing over uh, title to the property, which is which is in the form of a deed. And but but there's always the the fact that Mark still has an existing mortgage on the property. So what do you do with that? Well, you have through a series of documents. Um, I am going to take Mark's mortgage uh, over, and it'll come with with that transfer of title. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's basically like I'll take your mortgage and pay out the difference. What, what happens to that difference in equity? Right. Well, and that's that's where the creative part comes in. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I give Mark. You know, twenty grand, thirty grand. Who knows for this particular situation, depending Sounds on how much equity is in there. Um, so I give Mark the I give Mark the difference or whatever amount we mutually agree upon, um, and from there he hands over 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 title, and I start making those uh, mortgage payments directly to the lender. Do you see a, a big cash exchange typical as a, when this deal, this type of deals get made? You know, it really depends on when these deals are are done and how. So. There's kind of a few reasons why a subject to uh, might occur. One is maybe someone's behind on their payments. Maybe they're facing foreclosure. So when you have a seller whose backup is a bit, uh, whose back is against the wall, at that point, you know there should still be consideration, some sort of large cash exchange. Um, but it kind of depends on the timing because they're if they're going to go through foreclosure, they're about to lose everything. And so um, if you know, an investor or somebody comes in right then and there and is able, to, is able to pick up the property, it kind of creates a win-win situation because they were about to lose everything, but now they're going to get some sort of capital. Um, and then the investor also picks up, the, picks up the property. So it can sometimes. And then the other, time, the other times is that right now, the reason that it's such a big deal is because interest rates are so high that when you're taking that pre, uh, over that pre-existing note, you're taking it subject to a much lower interest rate. And so it's a really big deal for some people. See, that's what I, when I was doing my research on this, that was the thing that hit me was that you're going to want to keep those lower interest rate mortgages because um, you can come out ahead. Would you, let me get your opinion on it, because this is a tougher question, sure. but is it predatory in nature? So I think that depending on the way that the transaction is conducted, it can be. Um, I have seen... Um, files come across my desk or cases come across my desk where there has been zero consideration provided. And at that point, I really do believe that's absolutely predatory, uh, predatory in nature. Um, I think you got to kind of look at the totality of the circumstances. 
see, you know, how much is left on the on the note. What is this property really worth? I think it's more of a fact intensive question to figure out whether or not, sure. it's, you know, it's predatory in nature. But I, I would say, too, that it's very emotional. It's not just facts. It's mm-hmm. also going to be emotional because the person about to lose their property and could take the big hit on their credit. They're freaking out. Absolutely. And then the the investor is salivating at the mouth because they're like, OK, I, I got something here. This is a great deal. I can't wait to tell everybody what a great deal I made kind of a thing. So there's a give and take. But it, I think ultimately it does present a win-win situation. Uh, I'd say by and large, what are your thoughts on that, Eddie? Uh, some case by case scenario. I, I can yeah. see where you're, you're standing from to where that client needs to get off their hands. I get that. But me, when I call myself the, the people's realtor, when I look out for the people, I, to me, I, I don't like the way it sounds because I want them to at least walk away with something and, and, and I, they still get that loan against them, right? Like they still have the loan on their, Mm-hmm. So right. they can't go out and buy another home most cases. So it's kind of like last case scenario, mm-hmm. here you go kind of thing. Once, like you said, investor, awesome. I, I just won. But for the people like, man, like you just lost your home. They, I mean, it's something you couldn't afford. So I get that part, right? So you're helping them out in that scenario. But we're always trying to get them from where they're at to the next point. And, and sometimes they, I don't want to say get sucked in, but when the investors touch them first without going to a real estate agent and getting some at least, hey, you know what, you should do this first before going that route. In some cases they go, you know, they're in foreclosure. I had those calls like, hey, I got to sell my house in two weeks. Like they're going to come take off, you know, and that may be a scenario where maybe it may do them best. But I've had those where I'm sitting down at the table, coffee table, talking about, hey, let's talk numbers. And they come and hit me with, I'm going to lose everything. Right. But 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 to that point, though, they got themselves into that place. That's true. So it's like, look, I understand charity, but this isn't a charity situation. It's a business situation. And if they can come away with their credit intact and in a, in, in a win, it may not Cash be a great win. Cash mm-hmm. in their pocket, you know what I mean? Then it's like, you know, everybody kind of wins on that. So I really like the concept of the deal, but just like everything, there's going to be the emotional component of it that once it's the fleeting side of it, it's like, oh, and then it's like, well, how much did I lose? You know, two years, three years down the road, they, they might be upset about something. Do you see Keaton like down the road where people are, where these things can go sour um, on, on this type of transaction thing? Yeah. Give me an example. Okay, I want to touch back on a little bit of what sure. Eddie said real quick. So, so yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, the only, uh, when I think that the win-win is really created is, is especially with that foreclosure just knocking on the door. I mean, there's been times where, and actually involved in, in a lot of these uh, subject to transactions is actually a temporary restraining order where you have to go to the judge and say, judge, look, this one's under, like we have a contract. We just need a little bit longer so you, so that we can stop the uh, bank from foreclosing on the property. Mm, okay. It doesn't always work case by case scenario, but that's how close, that's how imminent this uh, this issue is sometimes. And so procrastination is part of the game. I think it comes down to transparency too, especially you know as we're seeing a shifting market, we're seeing increased interest rates come up, we're seeing prices drop. I mean, I've I've just been keeping an eye on realtor.com. I see price cuts, price cuts, and there's a certain percentage of the population that in a couple of years finds themselves in need of a move. They have to move. And if you stare down the barrel of decreased pricing, the last few years of inflated pricing and fees, they may be looking at an L if they did not put a ton of equity into their home when they originally bought it. Um, so there's a bunch of different scenarios where this can come up. But if everybody just clearly understands, I think that's the line between predatory and non-predatory is, do they understand what they're getting themselves into? Is it benefiting the seller in some way? And obviously it's benefiting the investor, but if you're transparent about it, that's the key feature. Well, the investors come to the table, they're prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, they've planned, they're ready. 
And, and unfortunately, in, in a lot of these situations of the homeowners, they haven't planned and they didn't do well or they overestimated, underestimated, whatever the problem is, but something bad happened to them. And that's just the nature of the world. Yeah, the emotion of money, unfortunately, comes up again and again and again when we see problems there. Yeah. It's just some people, they want to, you know, they want to ignore the problem or it just gets too much. So these situations arise. So we... Let's talk about the risks. Mm -hmm. Sure. Talk about some of the benefits already. We didn't go through them line by line, but so some risks for the buyer. So for the buyer is, is getting, you know, not knowing their numbers, uh, not having somebody, not having a, a professional know, you know, what, what their property is worth given, given the fact scenario as a whole, not knowing, you know, how much, how much equity do I really have here? What's what's fair for me in this situation? Really, that's I think that's the that's the big risk. Um, well, another risk, foreclosure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> another risk is um, if for some reason, which, as long as you have your documents right, which th this is a very document intensive process that goes in here. There's a ton of sure. documents. Mm -hmm. I think there's total um, some of the ones that I use. We're looking at probably over fifty to seventy pages worth of forms here, but. You are kind of, in some sense, I mean, you do have recourse, but you are kind of trusting that buyer that they're going to make that payment. And so, you know, for the rest of, of the loan, which is, it's definitely, you can't say that's not a risk. So right, because their credit's at risk is mm -hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, what's, mm -hmm. what's the legal recourse someone could go? So say this happened, they, they sold it wrap around, they got all the documents squared away, and the investor doesn't pay. What happens then? The investor doesn't pay for the initial one, or they're not paying on. The they're mortgage. not paying on the mortgage. It's it, this would be a breach of contract okay. sort of situation. That that would be their recourse. You know, they're not doing they're not doing what they said they would do pursuant to our agreement. So let's talk real quick. So we're almost out of time on this one, but uh, risk for the seller. Risk for the seller, um, a buyer coming back and saying, you know, that maybe these wasn't maybe these weren't fair terms or something like that or them not doing the documents properly i mean there's a there's a ton of disclosures that have to go out to everybody um and if you don't if, you, if you're not sending out those disclosures or if you're not following the property code to a t then this could come back around and bite you so there's something called due on sale clause what's that yeah so the due on sales clause it's in <clears throat> most almost every promissory note and and every promissory note um, is accompanied by a deed of trust and it's in the deed of trust. And what it says is that, Hey, if you transfer title, basically what it says is that if you transfer title from your name to somebody else's name, it's going to, it can or may trigger the due on sales clause. And, um, which means that the lender can accelerate the note. They can say, hey, look, whatever the rest of the balance is on the mortgage, it's, uh, it's, it's owed and due. Um, and so especially with interest rates rising, it's yeah. kind of a convenient time for banks to um, call notes due. Yep. Um, and so something that I always tell all of our investors, everybody that's involved, that hey, look, this is a this is out there. Some some investors don't care because they're they're like, well, I I have a reserve, and I have all of these properties, and if one of these notes gets called, I'll pay it off, and I'll refi it or something like that. But that's that's what it is. Well, and the bank really they are, they made the loan to person A. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And now person B is paying it. That's a little bit, you know, not necessarily square, but I guess as long as, I mean, it happens all the time. It doesn't right. seem a little weird. You know, I think the banks are in the business of making money. They're not really in the business of trying to figure out was, as long as they're getting paid in most scenarios, I think that they're usually, they're usually good, but that's, you know. Are banks predatory, case. do you think? 
<laughs> Here's where the podcast versus the radio comes in. We can get into predatory lending. Sorry, we just lost audio on Keaton there. All right, Keaton, so if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, they can uh, reach out. They can go to our website, www.txsuits.com, or they can um, call us at 210-503-2800. That's five or two one oh sorry five zero three two eight zero zero. Awesome, thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, next up on the show is Eddie Solis, a realtor with Empire Realty Group, who specializes in working with military members. Eddie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. So, you've got a military background, yes? Yes, sir. So, tell me a little bit about that. So, I did eight years in the Air Force. Um, the main reason why I chose the Air Force is just because it was down the street from where I lived. Like I, I could literally hear, uh, hear taps at nine o'clock and oh, okay. I would always be like, what is that noise going on over there? Yeah. Are they charging or something right now? What's happening? And, and it was great to finally like, you know what? Let me take the plunge. Let me join in the military. And I loved it. It was a great way to see the world. I wanted to get out away from San Antonio because at that time I never left Texas. So it was a great way uh, in the military itself. So I started off doing security forces, which is just a cop in general. And then I've had this opportunity to advance my career in something called the Raven program and the Raven program. We pretty much protect high end people from the main Mr. President himself, VP and all the three letter agencies along the way. So I literally lived out of a bag for four or five years. As soon as I landed, I flew all over the world, like on a moment's notice, South Carolina, um, down to South America, down to Africa, Afghanistan, Germany, which I loved it. The wife didn't love it so much, yeah. though. Uh, she was like, I, I never get to see you plan a weekend with you. And I was like, hey, unfortunately, this is what happens. But I loved every moment in the military. The military helped me be the person I am. It helped me with my leadership skills to grow. And uh, that carried over tremendously to my personal career now. So you came out of the military and jumped right into real estate. What made you want to go into real estate specifically? Great question. So while I was in the military, I saw the opportunity to start investing. So I bought a home and then in that single home that I have, a small little 1200 square foot home, I had one of my buddies say, hey man, can I come live with you? And I was like, sure, why not? Never home. Next, I only had a three bedroom house. So the next thing you know, another person moved in. And then I was like, you know, I'm never home myself anyway. Let me rent out my own home. So I, I was living literally in the living room. And then I was like, you know what? I'm making all this money. I was like, let me buy another house. And then some of my other troops are like, man, I see you, you know, having this extra funds. Like, where do you get this from? And I told him, I was like, well, you go out and as soon as you got the barracks, you move right into a rental and then you're just giving away money. And by the time you move out to your next place, well, that's it. They give you a handshake and maybe you don't even get your security deposit back. And I told him, look, when I leave here, I have equity in my home. I can either sell it out or I can keep running into what I'm doing now. And while I was getting out, I ended up helping like 10 other people on my in my um, little group that I had. And then I ended up becoming the go-to guy for whenever somebody got the barracks, they'll go talk to me first. Like, hey, go talk to Sergeant Solis before you go buy your rental, before you move out. And it just that that feeling and just knowing that my guys are going to walk away with money when they end up leaving that place. Because so many times I heard the thing like, well, I can't get out the military because I can't afford it. Or I'm scared, I don't know what to do when I get out the military. And that just let me know on a bigger scale, look, I'm helping these people out, you know, in the long term. There's a lot of trust between the military members as well. So you being, you know, prior uh, mm -hmm. military, you've got that connection. Uh, you speak the lingo, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I never thought that was true because my wife's also a veteran as well. And she got out before me. And she was like, you don't understand the way it is out here. Like, as soon as you meet another vet, like, you instantly become brothers and sisters. And I'm like, eh. And it wasn't until I got out, like, you you said it perfect. You know, I can never have seen this person as a person. But if I meet them at, like, at a networking event, like, boom, we, we were just boys, you know. Or they're like my sisters along the way. And we just try to help out one another. It's amazing. So speaking of leadership, 
Um, you didn't mention that you're a red rope back in the day. <laughs> we were talking the other day and he, he mentioned the red rope and I'm like, I know that term. So if you're ever in, in the air force and, and gone through like the law enforcement or security forces, you know what he's talking about on the red rope. So that was cool. But leadership is a big thing. Um, and I'm in one of your, uh, I'm in uh BNI group that you head up and you really helped form it, right? It was you and just a few other people, but you led the charge on that. And it is very well run. If you've ever been to it, it's very well run. The people there are super motivated, and that's not by accident. So you were telling me when you're putting it together, you were looking for a specific type of person or people to be part of that group. So tell me a little bit about that because I think this is very interesting. So I went to a BNI just not knowing what it was at all. I showed up and I was like, to be honest, because I'm always blunt and everybody knows me for it. Like, I thought it was lame. Thought it was boring. I thought it was a waste <laughs> of my time. People were clapping for each other. I'm like, what a cultist thing am I sitting yeah. in right now? Because I like to think of it myself as the normal person. I, I mean, everybody's normal, right? But as long as it just felt weird. And I got asked again to go back and I was like, okay, I'll never go again. That's what I told myself. I was like, let me go in at this time with a clear, clear mind. And how would I make it mine? So with that mindset, I went in there and I was like, I wouldn't have this person, this person, this person on my team. But then I was like, what people would I have on my team? And I was like, what's going to attract more people to come show up? And those are the people that are hungry, they're motivated, and they're, they want to meet those like-minded people so that way they can grow their business. Too many times you hear people say, I want to be around people like me that have that mindset. So what I did was the first eight to 10 people I want to make sure they're hungry. They're hungry go-getters because that's going to feed other people. When they walk in the room, they start talking to someone like, man, that person is just, he's just on, he's just on it. And I love that because you don't want to walk into a room and, and then, you know, everybody's all down and out looking at their watch. Like I'm ready to get up and get out of here. Like right. I got to be here kind of thing. So I made it uh, the first 10, the culture. And once again, back from the military, you got to build that culture from ground up. So I said, from the first 10, they all got to be unique in their own ways. And they can't be all 10 eddies, you know, because if they're 10 eddies, you know, they're going to clash heads every time and nobody's going to have room to talk because he's just going to talk the whole time. So I had to make sure those first 10 were hungry, motivated. And after that, you start seeing other people start buying into it because those people that were shy, that were timid, they started feeding off those other people. And now they are up in the front. They're talking, they're, they're smiling, shaking hands. When before they joined the group, they were never like that. And I like to think it's the culture being built. And Eddie, you always call people out in our BNI, and I think to the culture, what is the the biggest value that you always talk about every week? I think it's made your networking so successful. Are you talking about the giver's gain? I am. Giver's gain, right on the money, <laughs> bang, bang. But the, I love to put people on blast. I love for them to talk because it gets them out their comfort zone. And especially if they're, if you ever are a guest to our BNI, just be prepared, you will be called out. But the giver's gain mentality, I love it. And that, once again, from the military because I was always a selfish person until I joined the military and the military really showed that you cannot do it all on your own as much as you think you can. You have to have that team, that solid foundation. And then that made me to a givers. I was just like giving away information, free knowledge to everybody. And then once I came to BNI, that's one of their foundations. They said it's a givers game mentality to where you throw it out there. And at some point, the universe is going to give it back. Don't expect it. Just give it out. And sure enough, I had people like, man, you're a great guy. Like, I can't believe you're just giving this away for free. It really is. It's just giving it out because at some point it's going to come back. And you get gratitude. You know, I just love it, the feeling. It sounds fake. I know it does. Until you should go to one of our BNI groups, you're going to see how much a full room of people just bought into that mindset. Well, and I think one thing that's so unique about that mentality is when people come in and they don't have that mentality, they just want to get stuff from everybody. It kind of naturally weeds them out a little bit because the 
core people in the group really truly believe in that givers gain that abundance mentality and that's what we're all here to do you know that's a big reason that we're doing this podcast is everybody's here to share their knowledge and to be able to have a trusted source to come to that's so important and when you come at it from that, you can really trust the people we work with. Have you experienced that from actually using the people in the BNI in their businesses? Yeah. So going back a little bit to what you said is like, I would bring heavy hitters to the BNI that when I mean heavy hitters, like these people were well-known people in the community and what they did. But when they got there, the one of the first question was, okay, what am I going to talk? And one of people going to listen to me. And I was like, man, to be honest, like you already had the wrong mindset just showing up. It's like, just sit back, listen and pick it up something. And they're like, no, nah, I don't want to go because... You know, it's just not for me. And, and this was back when we first started, back when we could barely fill the room with six people. And then they come back and they see that we're 40, 50 plus in a room. Right. And then they're like, oh, how do I get in? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I think that ship sailed. Yeah, you know, right. I think we have somebody. It's going to cost you an extra. I need an extra 50. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, because I was there from the, the very get go. I mm -hmm. mean, I remember being at just happy hours where we were all just trying to get to know each other and get this thing started. And the first few months were a little bit shaky. We were trying to get mm -hmm. get our legs, get the rhythm going, get the right group of people. And it, it was kind of similar to how I felt in college when I showed up and I was like, I'm here for four years. And then all of a sudden, like half of my class left after the first year and I was like what but it was similar because not everybody was there for the the reasons that the group had formed um, but those people that stayed I mean I know if I use them if I call on them if I need their business they're going to be there and absolutely step up and, and do a great job it's a sorting process that mm -hmm. has to happen in everything that you do and when you mm -hmm. get good people in that are motivated to uh, to build relationships at the end of the day that's what a networking group is is it's a place to build relationships with other business, not a place to take. Yeah. So if you think you're there to, to get referrals, just to your point, you got the wrong mindset already. You got the wrong mindset. It took me six months and I'm the president the one talking the <laughs> most for someone to really start trusting me and started using me. And I knew that going into it because I knew like I ain't going to hit the ground running and people are just going to throw stuff to me left and right. I got to earn people's trust. People already have, and, and in any company you're in, they're one, two, or three, one, two, three realtor. I just want to be your fourth. So let me work my way and build that trust to be your number one eventually. And I have people in my group that they never even thought about buying a house and they haven't told me that they want to buy a house, but they're my biggest advocate because they said, man, this guy's amazing. He's awesome. Trust him. And one person's giving me two deals already just because they trust me enough. She's on the next one, by the way. She knows who she is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we're out of time on this, but uh, a great conversation. I love talking about leadership and I know that um, you exude it. I've seen it. You know what I mean? I'm in your, in your group for a reason. Um, you know, I'm not by nature necessarily a follower, but I follow good leadership and I think you excel there. So great job. Uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Best thing, give me a call. Let's go out for a cup of coffee, especially come out to my BNI group. So 210-683-8292. Awesome. All right, Heather, any closing thoughts? Uh, I think it's just great. I mean, and really touches on how we're here to, to really build relationships and give people value. Um, so if you're listening and you're thinking like, huh, I'd love to like build my business through networking, that's the key to it. It takes more time than just cold calling and, and knocking on doors and going direct to people. But at the end of the day, that business that comes back is way better, way easier, way higher quality than what you get from just working with people cold who don't necessarily trust you. And I think that's something that anybody can walk away and use in whatever industry they're, they're in. I agree. 
All right, as we wrap up the show, quick reminder to check out our latest podcast or catch video version of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us. You guys have a great week, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks a lot. Good job, guys. All right, thanks. Love it. It was great.